Well, as we continue on our legacy series this morning, the title of my message today is Treasures in Heaven. And we're going to talk about treasures in heaven. And, and many of us have different ways of, when we, or, or different ways we think about treasures in heaven. Some of us think of it as gold and silver and, and things that are like money and they're worth something. And, <clears throat> but some of us don't realize that sometimes our treasures in heaven are people. Right? Sometimes your treasure in heaven, can you turn my mic down a little bit? Treasures in heaven are people. People you've served, people you've reached, people you've loved, people you've shown the love of God to. Those can be treasures in heaven, right? Amen? Okay, listen, we ain't going to start off with no quiet church this morning. You say amen, I preach better. Deal? Okay. I didn't think you came for a bad message. So just to remind you of the the things we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. In week one, we've learned how to live beyond ourselves, right? How how to live beyond ourselves. It's kind of what I was talking about this morning is that you got to get past yourself. You got to have, you got to know that there's a greater call on your life than just you. Jesus didn't go through what he went through just so you could live on this planet and suck air. Right? He's got a purpose. He's got a meaning. He's got a plan, a destiny. He's got all those things for you. And you discover it when you do what? When you live beyond yourself. Right? You got to go beyond yourself. Some of you went beyond yourself just to get to church this morning. Right? Some of you didn't feel like it. My wife had to send me a text to remind me what time it was to get out of bed this morning. She loves me. Last week, we learned that God wants to bring us to greater things. That there's greater things that he's calling us to. Greater things than you've ever known. Some of you come from poor folk, like I did. Right? Your mom and daddy had to slave to make ends meet. Right? The only way you got a pair of Nikes is if they was at a garage sale. Some of you remember that? Right? And you pray to God somebody's shoes didn't fit them. And you got them. So we learned about God's calling us to greater things. And we're talking about leaving a legacy, leaving something for the next generation, leaving something for eternity, right? So we've been talking about the last two weeks, and today's week three, and next week's week four, and we're going to receive an offering next week. It's our legacy offering. And we're going to use that to to help build some things here at the church and and, and the parking lot, and if we don't get enough for that, then we might just paint the building. We've got money in the bank. It's not like we need this to make the bills mad or anything like that. It's just that we, we, this is for you. This is for us. This is for all of us. This legacy. But it's more than the offering. And I want you to hear my heart this morning. It's more than the offering. It's you. You're the one that's leaving a legacy. Amen. In week one, we talked about how you're going to leave a legacy one way or the other. We're all going to leave a legacy. The question is, is it going to be a good one or a bad one? Is the best thing your children will be able to say about you is my daddy was a hard worker. Well, that's that's a good positive thing to start with. Yeah, my daddy was a good worker. But what else about your daddy? I, I don't know. He was just a good worker. Well, you don't know anything else about you? No, he worked all the time. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? I want my kids to say, man, my daddy loved God. 
My daddy loved people. I want people to come up and say to my kids, your daddy loved people. And by loving people, he loved God. And it had, he was doing that long before he was a preacher. Are you with me? It has nothing to do with your title. It has everything to do with your heart. Amen. I'm not the only one responsible for loving people. I want, I want people to say good things about me. I want to leave a legacy. I want my grandkids to see me as a hero and not a zero. Right? When I die, I don't want people to have to make up things about me at my funeral. <laughs> I've had to do funerals like that before. You've got to make something up and hope you're not lying. Come on, that's, that's a sad place to be, Right? So when people got to start trying to stir up good things about you. Next week, we're going to finish our series and we're going to answer the question, where, where do we go from with all this? What do we do with all this legacy stuff? We're going to answer that question next week and, and we're going to take up our legacy offering. And so the reason I'm saying that is because I want you to pray and prepare for your offering next week. I just want you, this is all I want you to do is ask God, what can I give? What do you want me to give, Lord? And whatever he says to give, you give. That's all I do. It's very simple. I, I, a lot of times I have a number in my head and I go pray about it. And God says, nope, that's the wrong number. I wish I could tell you he's going negative and I overshot him, but he usually overshoots me. <laughs> but today we're going we're gonna to get kind of theological. It's not really going to be a preachy kind of message. Last week was a very preachable message. If you, if you wasn't here and you want to hear it, you can go to Our Savior's Church, Eunice. And click on the link that says to hear sermons. And you can see the one that has the E next to it is for Eunice. You can hear my sermon from last week. It was a good one. So I was told. And we had a great time and we laughed and I said a bunch of stupid things. And anyway, but hopefully the word of God was was planted in all of our hearts, right? God's calling us to live intentionally, not just unintentionally, right? God wants you to have a purpose, When you wake up in the morning, he wants you to have a purpose. He wants you to know where you're going. He wants you to have a plan. What am I going to do today? Who am I going to serve today? What is my purpose for today? You see, that's intentional. Unintentional is when you just wake up and you go, man, where's the coffee? I hope the boss is acting right today. I just got to get through this Monday. Right? There's always going to be Mondays. You can choose to live a Monday intentionally though, right? He wants us to live intentionally. I want you to introduce you to something this morning that you may not have heard of, or some of you may have, and some of you may have it skewed a little bit, but we're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ today. You're like, whoa, pastor. You was talking about leaving a legacy. Now you're talking about judgment. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. The judgment seat of Christ. And some of you, when I said the word judgment, you went. Right? Some of you, oh God. It's punishment day. It's going to be a hellfire and brimstone kind of message. And if we don't get right, we're all dying and going to hell. Right? Wrong. I want to show you something today. Second Corinthians chapter 5. You with me? I said, are you with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 
we're all going to face the judgment seat of Christ and receive something for what we've done while we were on this planet. Amen? Whether good or bad. Who determines if it's good or bad? No, we do. He already determined it when he gave you his word. You know what it is to do good. You know what good deeds are. You know what good works are. Right? We're not ignorant. We can read the Bible and we can learn what God says to do in this life and and how to treat people and how to reach others. Right? And so when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to reward us for what we've either done, for what we've done, either good or bad. Okay? You say, well, what, what about the other judgment, Pastor? I'm not talking about that judgment. That's the great white throne judgment. That's the one that everyone is going to face. And in that judgment, it's going to be very quick. They're going to open up the Lamb's book of life. And if your name is not in the book, exit right. He gone. Right? If your name's in the Lamb's book of life, then you go on. Exit left. Okay? Then from there, those who are who go who pass this judgment, whose names are in the Lamb's book of life, go on to the judgment seat of Christ. It's the second judgment. You with me? Now, those whose names wasn't in the book aren't going to the next judgment. They've already been judged. You following? Shake your head. Do something or else I'm not going to keep going. So it's the, it's the judgment seat of Christ that we're talking about this morning. So take that negative tone of judgment out of your mind. Right? Forget the first thought you had when I said judgment. Don't confuse the judgments. I'll read 2 Corinthians again, chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. The things done while you were in this body. Okay? You're going to receive whatever it is that is due to you. You see, I, I'm going to beat this mule till it's dead if you don't say amen. Because this is a technical message and, and I got to know that you got the first part. You're going to receive something for what you've done. Okay? Whether it's good or bad. I want you to circle. Uh, circle never mind. Some of you think that that's not fair. Some of you say, well, what what do you mean? According to what we've done, why can't we all get something? You ever thought that way? Why can't I get what she got? Well, why has Pastor Jamie got a a five-story mansion in heaven and I got a a dog house? (laughs) My response is take it up with the man. Right? But why, is, why, why, does, why do we have to get judged on what we've done? But what, what if I haven't done enough? What, what, if, what if I haven't done as good as somebody else, right? That doesn't seem fair. It's kind of like kids' sports today, right? I mean, I, I'm glad my kids aren't real athletic because I, I'll be honest with you, sports today, like the, the recreational sports for kids, it depresses me. Everybody gets a trophy, Man, back in my day, if you gave the losers a trophy, we was going to fight. Seriously, I worked for that trophy. Right? I mean, everybody, high school football, everybody makes it to the playoffs, it seems like. You can go 0-10. Oh, We're going to the playoffs. You're like, huh? Iota is excluded from that. 
But we're going to be judged according to what we've done, whether good or bad. And you're going to receive whatever is due to you. You got that. Matthew 16, 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. Jesus is coming back, and He's going to reward you for what you've done on this planet and in your body. You with me? As long as you had life in you, as long as you were breathing, as long as you were still kicking, He's going to reward you for what you've done. Jesus is. He said, well, yeah, but why has he got to do that? I'm satisfied with salvation. I'm good with that. You know, you can try to be humble if you want to. And I appreciate that. But let me tell you something. He chooses to do that. It's his choice. No man made that decision. God made that decision to reward us for what we do on this planet. And I go, man, that's awesome. Right? I mean, I'm satisfied with salvation. I'm satisfied that I can be in the presence of God and that I can hear his voice and, and, and hope to do my best to live out my calling on, this, on this, this earth while my life is here. Okay, I'm good with that. But I'm also, if you got something else you want to give me, you see, I killed that poverty spirit a long time ago. I used to say, oh, no, I can't take that. No, because that's what our parents taught us, right? Somebody tried to give you a little bag of chips. Hey, buddy, you want a bag? No, no, you don't take that. We don't take charity. That's the way I was raised. And God broke that off of me. Give me something. I'm going to take it. Don't come here and act like you want to give me a 20. You stick it out in front of me. It's gone. I'm serious. The word reward means to pay back in wages for what you've done. Isn't that good? Isn't that, isn't this awesome that, I mean, even God himself, even Jesus would want to go from, from everything that he's given us. He gives us salvation, everything that he went through. And on top of that, we get rewarded. You know, most people would be excited about that. Not like you are this morning. I mean, you're waiting for the hook. There's no hook today. Come on. There's no hook today. It's just his love. It's just how much he cares about us. Right? He wants to bless us. The word judgment is more like the judgment or the judging at the Olympics. You know how it goes at the Olympics, right? You, you go out and you do your thing and you, you and your sport and you, if it's pole vaulting or whatever it is, you do your best. And, and at the end, whoever was the best gets what? Gold. Whoever was second best gets what? Silver. Third best? Everybody else? Nothing. You see it? So, so you know what that means? If you don't do any good works while you're here on the planet, you're going to receive? Right? We're not talking about works for salvation. Don't get this confused. Because we could go the wrong direction with this. We're not talking about working for salvation. You were saved by faith. By grace. Right? You were saved when you gave your life to Jesus. That's done. Put that to the side. We're not talking about being saved because you worked to be saved. You can't work to be saved. It's already been done. Your good works on this planet aren't for your salvation. They're for the planet. 
They're for the people on the planet. Why do we do good works? To reach more people. Right? Some people have heard, well, you can't, you can't do good works for your salvation, so we just, we just killed all good works. Well, so I'm just not going to do any good works at all. Huh? How are you going to reach the lost if you don't do good works? Right? Because it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance, not the badness of God. How does that goodness get to somebody else? If I, if, if I want Josh to experience the goodness of God, how's it going to get to him? Man, it's going to come through me. Right? I got to do a good work. He loves music. I might go buy him a guitar. Lord might say, buy him an amp or buy him a new, it might be as simple as a new chord. Would you appreciate that? Yes. Would you receive it? Yes. Okay. Thought you would. But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about good deeds, good works, storing up treasures in heaven. Amen. That's what we need to be busy about. It's kind of like your checking account. If you don't ever make deposits, you can't ever make what? Withdrawals. Same way with your marriage. Men, if you don't take your wife out and wine her and dine her a little bit, you don't get no withdrawals. Lord have mercy. I did not mean that. That's real nice. You you anyway, let's move on. God, you something. I'm gonna start practicing my message a little harder. But if you don't ever put anything in, you can't ever get anything out, right? I mean, we're all, if you, if, listen, if you got this attitude that I'm just here, I'm getting saved, and I'm going up to glory when the Lord comes back, praise God, but you're rootless and toothless while you're on this planet, you're going to get up there and you're going to be highly disappointed. Because you're going to see the guy that drove you nuts, the guy that drove you crazy because he loved everybody and he was giving people this and encouraging them here and being nice to them when they cussed him out. That guy that aggravated you, he's going to be at the front of the line going, hey, hey, excuse me, I got something to receive. Right? This is what God chooses to do for us. This isn't something Pastor Jamie came up with. Amen? Amen. Sometimes it's hard to receive, isn't it? When, we, when, God, when Pastor Bubba sent us to this church and, and we came here, there was a, some people here that just really were waiting for a pastor to come and be full-time here. And when we did, they, they started blessing us. And I was always the one in that position. I was the one always blessing my pastor. And then I come over here and be a pastor. And now people are wanting to bless me. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't know how to handle that. You with me? I didn't know how to receive because all I knew how to do was give. Come on. I could receive from God. I knew that God poured things out into my life. But I didn't know how to receive from another man. And there was this pride issue that rose up in me. Some of you are dealing with that this morning. Every time I say something about a reward. There's a pride that comes up inside of you that says, no, 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 I don't need that. No, I'm good. Live that way. If that's the way you want to be, be that way. But I'm just telling you this morning that God wants to bless you. 
This isn't a prosperity message. This isn't about you getting a new Cadillac. Are you with me? This, this isn't what this is. This is in heaven. Not on the planet. We're talking about rewards and treasures in heaven. Amen? And here's the, God saves the best for us. People that get hung up on earthly treasures, they think that's the best. No. The best is the ones that last forever. Because earthly treasures rust, decay, destroy, people steal, right? They fall apart. Earthly treasures are the best you can get. Amen? Amen. So let's start storing up some treasures in heaven. Amen? Amen. Romans 14.10 says, For we we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're each going to stand in front of him and give an account for my life. Think about this for a moment. You need to get this because this scares the whatever out of me. Okay? You're going to stand before God. Number one, you should be scared. And you're going to give an account for your life. You know what that means? (laughs) You're not going to give excuses. Well, Lord, you know I had a bad knee. Yeah, I know. I'll let you get that. So you can go minister to everybody with a bad knee. Now what else you got? Come on, we're going to give an account for our life. Think about that. What does that do to you? Can I be honest with you? That scares me. Because, man, I, I, you know, I, I just want to hear well done. But I don't believe that's going to just be lackadaisically given out to anybody. Right? That's not going to be like a food stamp card. No, seriously. I believe God reserves that for those that did well done. Those that lived beyond themselves. Those that went on to greater things. Those that realized they were leaving a legacy for somebody. Amen? That's who that's reserved for. Those who pressed in when things were hard and things were tight and money was money was rough. Those that did things beyond themselves. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Revelations 22, 12 says, and behold, I'm I'm coming quickly and my, my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. God doesn't need your works. The world does. Amen. Amen. Who needs your works? The world does. How are we going to reach this world? Through good works, preaching the gospel. But it's not just going to be preaching. People are tired of hearing preachers in this world. You start preaching, what do they do? They change the channel. They don't want to hear what you got to say because you're saying the same thing they've been hearing for years that they didn't want to listen to 20 years ago. You're saying the same thing. Right? But you go and you serve somebody and you do some good works to them and you bless them and you reach out to them. And that opens up the door for you to preach the gospel. Amen. That's why I don't like religious folk because religious folk want to go in there and tell you everything you're doing wrong. 
tell you that you're dying and you're frying. And if you don't get right, right? I mean, they go in there like Peter with the sword. They're going to cut your ear off. And they say, now can I lead you to Jesus? <laughs> Seriously. That's why I don't like religious people. They always told me what I was doing wrong. Never what I could do right. They always told me who I was in the moment. Never told me who I could be in Christ. Right? Everything they said to me never created hope. It created discouragement. Come on. It never gave me life. It always gave me death. It pushed me further into the hole that I was in. I thought they were reaching their hand out to give me a hand and pull me out of the mud. But instead they put their hand on my forehead and pushed me in a little deeper. When God's way of doing things is I want you just to reach out to somebody, give them a hand to get out of that mud. That could be give them some of your finances. That could be give them some of your, your talents. Right? That could be give them some of your possessions. Oh, pastor, don't be talking about possessions. Does your possessions possess you? Can God come and use your stuff? Can he come and borrow your gun, men? <laughs> yeah, you could use my old one. <laughs> Bring your own shells. First Corinthians three twelve says that if any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he, he will receive his reward. Wow. Your good works are going to be tested. This is what I want you to see this morning. Your good deeds are going to be tested. And if we're talking about a test, what kind of test are we talking about? Let's answer that question. It's a rewards test. Number one. You go through the test of relationships. Why do you do what you're doing? Why do you go out and do good deeds? Why do you go out and serve people? Is it because you love Jesus? Or is it because you love the praise of men? Come on. Are you doing it because the word says you got to? Or are you doing it because you, you want to? Right? Are you doing it because you delight in Jesus? You're going to go through the relationship test. Your relationship with Jesus is going to be tested when you're giving. Revelation says, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. Yet I hold this against you for you forsaken your first love. You see, you can do all the good deeds you want. But if, you're, if your relationship in those deeds is wrong, if you're doing it for the wrong person, it don't mean nothing. Come on. Listen, it's easy to get caught up in the praise of men. I love a good attaboy. I love it when you say amen at church. I love it when somebody grabs me and says, Pastor, that was a good word. I love that. I love it when people say, man, that's a nice shirt, and I picked it out myself. I love that. Just that not ever happened. 
The first test is why. Why do you serve? Why do you do the things you do? The second test is your motive. The test of motive. (laughs) This is where the whole prosperity message comes in. You remember the prosperity message when it came through years ago? Right? Name it, claim it, frame it, hang it on the wall and step on it, whatever you had to do. Right? The whole prosperity thing. God wants you to live in a mansion and drive a Cadillac and... I don't know why it was Cadillacs, but it's just. But it's a test of motive. Why are you doing what you're doing? Matthew 6, 1 to 4 says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I made a practice with my kids when we lived in a neighborhood. We would we would go next door and we would secretly try to bless the neighbors. Now, this was kind of hard to do because their their car stayed outside. So I get the kids up early and say, hey, we're going to go bless Mr. Billy and them. And like, oh, yeah, I made it this game. We're going to do it. Can't say nothing to nobody. Really? Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to wash their car. Oh, yeah. Let's go wash it. I mean, you want to get your kids to do something, make it a game. I don't know. Maybe it works. <laughs> so we go to them. We, we hurry, hurry up. Come on. Hurry up. Get out. Don't forget the tires. Get the rims. And we did a good job because I'm anal about that kind of stuff. Oh, you want to get this. Oh, get the, you missed the bug. You missed the bug. Get the bug. Right, Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, everybody in my house, when they first start washing cars with me, they start off with the bug rag. It's just a pecking order. But we did things in secret to try and bless people, right? Come on, why am I sharing all this with you? I'm just trying to give you a few good ideas. Lord spoke to me and shared one time. We had some cash. We said, Lord, what do you want us to do with this? He said, go put it in so-and-so's mailbox. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> You don't put cash in the mailbox. God, you know that. He said, put it in. I'll keep it secure. Drove by. We called it a drive-by. We did a (laughs) drive-by. Drove by. Are they there? Any windows open? No. Okay. Hurry up. It's a good chance to peel out. Right? No, it's a game. I love it. Seriously, we have fun. We're hilarious givers. That's what I want my kids to know. About me. My daddy was crazy. He made us do all these goofy things. And the crazy thing is that they're still doing them. You with me? What's your motive? Are you giving to get? Are you giving because God said to give? Come on. Number three, the test of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Wow. Do works because you love Jesus. And you'll have a pure motive. Do works because you love people and you're doing it with a pure motive. Amen. Amen. Just make sure your motive's right. I mean, listen, it, it don't pay to work hard for nothing. Right? You know the old saying, don't work harder, work smarter. Right? 
So before you go and bless somebody, make sure your heart's right. Make sure relationship is right. And you're doing this because Jesus wants you to and you love him and you delight to see him spread across this planet. Right? Make sure your motive's right. Do it in the right way. Do it in secret. Don't let nobody know what you're doing. And do it in love. Test number four is the test of eternity. Luke 16, 9 says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Use your wealth. Listen to me. Use your wealth to reach the lost. Use your wealth to build the kingdom. That's why God gave it to you. When me and my old business partner went into business, we, I, there was three things I prayed for. I said, Lord, I want to have an adventure. He fulfilled it. I learned a lot about God in those days. And all you business owners know what I'm talking about. God, I want to have the freedom to do what I want to do. And he gave me that. And I said, Lord, I want to make a lot of money. And he did that. But my motive was right. When I say that, a lot of people always look at me like you just looked at me. I want to make a lot of money because I want to financially build your kingdom. Are you with me? Number one, I want to give to the church so that they're not wondering what they can do next because they don't have the resources to do it. Are you with me? Number two, I want to be a man on a mission that I can give my resources, my wealth away to people when I'm away from the church. Come on, I love those times. Those are fun. I want to build your kingdom with my wealth. That was my attitude. And when that's your attitude, God will get it to you. Are you hearing me? But you got to be careful. Because the danger is, is that when you get it, you want to hang on to it. Right? You made the deal with God. You said, God, whatever you give me, I'll give it away. And then when you get it, you're like, did I say everything? Can we renegotiate? Anybody else do that? Come on, Lord, you know, you know what I meant. It's just me. I just try to argue. I said, was that the Lord that told me to do that or not? And he's going, you know who said what? Matthew 6, 19 says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. We've talked about this. That's the greatest reward. When you're talking about those kinds of rewards. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about rewards today. Those are the best rewards you can get are the ones that are eternal. So I want to give you these last three things and we're going to wrap it up. Number one, I want you to realize that God owns everything. Say that with me because some of you don't believe it and you need to say it. God owns everything. Now put your finger on your chest and say, yeah, yeah. everything. Okay, you just needed to tell yourself that. God owns everything. You see, I've gotten confused over that over the years. Can I just be honest with you? I thought, you know, if I give my 10%, then the 90 is mine to do what Jamie wants to do. Right? You've heard that before. I've even said that before. Right? Anybody else hear that? Raise your hand, please. Okay. That's not necessarily true. It is yours to do whatever you want to do with it, but God owns it. Come on. And he gave it to you for a reason. Some of you aren't liking this right now. 
That's okay. You're going to get a revelation of eternal rewards one day. And you're going to realize that his way is the best way. Right? His way is the best way. Realize that God owns everything. First Chronicles 29 says, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory of the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You ever go to the movies with your kids? And they say, hey, Dad, can we get some popcorn? And you know they ain't got no money. Right? So what do you do? You better pull out a 20 because there ain't going to be no less than a 20 at the movies. Right? That's one of the most expensive dates you can go on, by the way. So you pull out a 20 and you say, here, we'll get you some popcorn. My kids know. I say, what size can I get? They want to measure everything. I'm like, get the big one. Okay. So they get the big one and you walk in and you sit down and you're watching the commercials on the movies that you wish would hurry up and get over with. And you, and you reach over there for some popcorn, right? I mean, you're not even looking. You just expect to receive popcorn. Why? Because you bought it. It's your popcorn. And you go. And you look over there like this. That's mine. You say, hold up, I bought that. You, but you gave it to me. And a part of me goes, I own that. Yeah, I gave it to you, but I might want some. Right? Another part of me goes, you know what? I could have gave you enough money to buy 30 bags of popcorn. Right? And I also could have said, I can take the whole thing back. And I've done that. I have. I'm serious, right? I give my kids something, they won't give me that. Give me that. But dad, that's what you don't want to share it. Some of you are glad you aren't my kids. But let me tell you something. It teaches them a lesson. You don't act right with what God gives you and see what's going to happen to it. You don't tie and see what's going to happen to your finances. They're going to dry up and shrivel. I know unbelievers to this day. When I see this guy, he came to church for three months and he tithed, never gave his life to Jesus. He tithed. And he tells me to this day, he used to call me blue. He says, blue, you know, when I went to that church and I tithed, I always had money left. And I go, well, yeah, that's what God's word promises. He said, but man, when I quit tithing, I'm broke. You got a 20? No, nope, ain't got a 20. No, I'm joking. But don't do with what God's given you. Don't do what he's called you to do with what he's given you and see what happens. See what happens. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for people that are going to do something with what they got. Kenneth Copeland, I heard his testimony one time about giving. He was, he was brand new in the church and they passed the offering bucket and he was broke as could be. All he had in his hands, because he just, he just said, Lord, I don't have anything to give. The Lord said, you got that pencil? And it might sound silly, but he took that pencil and he put it in the offering plate. And now he's a tremendous giver. Right? Start where you are. Start where you are. God owns everything. You got to realize that. Number two, manage everything you have on his behalf. He's called you to manage it. 
He's given it to you to manage it. And some of you, if you were honest, you'd say, I'm not a real good manager. That's okay. You can learn to be. Amen? One of the reasons we just started our financial life group this past Wednesday was because I realized that our church is financially unhealthy. There's some people in our church that are financially unhealthy. I'm not as healthy as I want to be. And I'm probably healthier than most of you. But I still got a little bit of debt that I need to get rid of. Why? So that I can do more for the kingdom. You with me? You see, I used to live with the attitude, well, God will just bring in more. Don't worry about the debt. Right? The the income will outrun the debt. Right? God says, no, 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 no. You need to get your house in order. You need to get your finances straight. So that I can use you even greater. Come on. Manage everything you have on his behalf. How does he want you to handle the car he's given you? How does he want you to handle the home you live in? How does he want you to use the money you have in your wallet? Matthew 10, 42 says, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to, the, to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. You see what I'm saying? It starts with the small things. It's the small things. Sometimes we make it so big that we think, oh, you got to give $1,000 or you got to go bless somebody with a $100 bill. It may be a dollar. One day he told me to pay for a guy's coffee who was in line behind me at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now I think the guy was too, too sleepy to realize what happened, but I guarantee after he drank that free coffee, he realized what happened. Right? See somebody stuck in a ditch. Stop and pull them out. It might be me. Please stop. <laughs> Manage everything you have on his behalf. Number three, focus your whole life towards eternity. The greatest deterrent, the greatest thing that can kill a legacy is living for yourself. Is, is thinking and believing that you're on this planet and that's the greatest thing you'll ever get will kill a legacy in a heartbeat. Thinking that this is all that God has for me. This is the best it's ever going to be. Will kill a legacy in a heartbeat. Focus your whole life towards eternity. Philippians 3 says this, and I'm going to wrap it up with this one. 18 to 20 says, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm calling, to you, I'm calling you to live out a life much greater than this earth, a life that screams into eternity, a life that has eternal rewards. So what if you don't get the earthly rewards? I'm preaching this, but you know what? I'm having to live this too. Because can I be honest with you? I love rewards. As I think all of us do. Right? My prayer has been God change my heart because I want to live for eternal rewards. Not just these earthly ones. Amen? Amen. I want to leave a legacy for my children. I want them to take off where I leave off. Not have to start all over. Right? 
I want to leave a legacy, a good legacy. Can you stand up with me this morning? I want us to live for eternity. Now, I know this isn't a shout me down kind of message or preach and scream and run around. I didn't have a shovel in my hand this week or anything like that. And, but I want you to get the heart of this message. Live beyond yourself. Know that God's called you to greater things. You say, well, what are those greater things, Pastor? He's calling you to go serve and help people. To reach out to people like you've never done before. Start where you are right now. Wherever you are right now. Don't use the excuse, well, I don't have anything. You got something. Greater things is when you live beyond yourself. That's the best quality of life you can ever have. Is to live beyond yourself. Is to live for other people. How are we going to build this church? By reaching other people. Right? You realize most of you are here and I never said one word to you. Most of you are here because of the person standing next to you. Or because of a relationship you had. Right? Pastor Jamie didn't come hunt you down. Who hunted you down? Others. So what do you need to do? You need to turn around and you need to go hunt others down. Look for opportunities. Live intentional. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, who you want me to bless today? How can I serve you? How can I manage what you've given me? And just start where you are. Amen? Does that make sense? Just start where you are. It's simple. And you know what the cool thing is? is that when you start with the simple things, you just simply get to see how God works. Those are called the mysteries of God. He lets you discover his mysteries. And man, let me tell you something. That's better than any drug I've ever taken. Any drink I've ever drank. Drank, whatever you say. Lift your hands towards heaven this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you that, Lord, you're calling us, that there's a judgment coming. And, Lord, this judgment is your judgment. It's your choice to judge us for this, Father. But it's coming. And Lord, I pray that we don't just get satisfied with anything else and say, well, I'll just, I'll just make it to heaven. I'm good with that. But I pray that we live beyond ourselves and realize that our good works and our good deeds are for eternity. They're for others' lives. They're, they're, they're not from this world, but they're for this world. Our gifts, our talents, our finances, our abilities, our possessions are for this world, Lord. We, we give them away and we let people use them and we bless others with them to bring them into your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for today, Father. Burn this word in our hearts, Lord. Help us to start today with the small things. And watch how you increase. Watch how you draw us closer to you through these things. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.